okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My voice is already giving giving up. Oh, you gotta have it. We've been, we've basically recorded a podcast before the I know. podcast. Yeah. I know. Now you ma- now you're making everyone excited. They're like, oh, what did they talk about? It wasn't that exciting. It wasn't. Don't it wasn't about. podcast material. It was no, just a discussion. This is only for for premium subscribers. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah it's our it's our paywall podcast. I, I've heard that's a cool <laughs> thing right now to do. Uh-huh. I was at a thing last night and. Uh, someone I don't know very well, but I know, um, <laughs> mentioned that they have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'll subscribe. I'll, I'll give it a listen. You know, they're, they're a funny person. Um, could be entertaining. And so, I pulled out my phone, pulled out Overcast, started doing searches among, uh, against the name. Uh, nothing came up. I handed my phone to one of the guys on the podcast and he tried searching for it. And he's like, oh, is this Apple? And I was like, yeah, because like it's overcast, but you know, searching the Apple directory or whatever. I didn't like, obviously go yeah. into detail. Um, <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, we're only on Spotify. Um, and my first response was, this well, you don't started. have a podcast. And uh, he didn't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I Googled for it and it came up with an RSS link. So I managed okay. to pop that into Overcast. But yeah, that was, that was a funny one. Like what I want to know what service okay. somebody yeah. is using. I have and, so many And they decided to say, I'm person. only going to go on to Spotify yeah. and I think I have a podcast. Did you ask the person how comes you decided to go for Spotify? I, I didn't get into details. I, I didn't know because if I get into details, it becomes the like, well, I'm the podcast guru. And I don't want to <laughs> like, I don't want to like act like I'm trying to show somebody up at a dinner party where yeah. I don't really know them. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's going to be like, you know, uh, this is like the new don't talk about it topic. Don't talk about how you <laughs> yeah. Everyone turn down the music. We have a discussion about uh, the open ecosystem of podcasts right here <laughs> yeah look i i didn't want to be that person um, folks gather around you might learn something <laughs> uh all right uh, okay. yeah uh-huh. but it's interesting i don't even know what service would publish only to is podcasting just spotify to them mm. i don't know they both have iphones <sighs> as far as i can tell are they but- famous Maybe. no Okay, so it's there's no like- exclusives here okay, okay. no also it's no- uh it's it's two blokes ranting about the nrl Okay. Quite okay. quite amusing. If Maybe you know they should them. just stay on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. Oh. All right. Welcome to this episode of. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what this is. Of anymore. an open podcast. We yeah. are on all the platforms. I don't actually know if we're on Spotify, but we're on all the ones that use RSS feeds and mm. stuff. Cool. All right. Uh, let's get into topics. Yeah. One thing. <laughs> I don't know. I I just you remember like. I don't even remember when we started talking about it. I tried to use Apple's yeah. uh, search for for context in in podcasts when we talked about Phil Schiller leaving Apple probably oh, next. Yes. Mm, um, and I think prediction. we did that. Um, the, the earliest I could find based on Apple's uh, search results was uh, episode sixty three, I think. But I'm I'm pretty sure we talked about that before. So Apple's Phil Schiller, uh, senior vice president of marketing. And in charge of App Store. And what else is he doing? Events. Uh, moves to become a an Apple Fellow, which apparently is an existing program. Yeah, so he's, knew about yeah that was the surprising part to me, that it's an <laughs> existing thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. He is giving up marketing, but maintains his role as uh, uh, heading the App Store and Apple events, which is interesting. To focus more time on his family and friends and, and, and projects that he's he, passionate oh, about. Yes. 
I am yeah, actually I looking forward to those pro- what, what those projects are. Is it going to be like he's putting a Broadway musical together, <laughs> or is he going to do text stuff? It's probably woodworking. Isn't that what most of these people go into? <laughs> but not that's that's engineers. I don't know where the marketing, ah. ex marketing people go. Mm, that would be interesting. Question. Yeah, but um, mm. it's it's often those kind of uh, announcements are BS, right? It's like, ah, yeah, mm. they spent more time with the family. That means they screwed up and they're fired. But I think in <laughs> Phil's case, this is very clearly like, all right, he's, he's yeah. just, he wants to think- spend time with somewhere else. And considering that he stays on for Apple events, I don't think Apple would Apple fire someone. But Phil, can you keep doing the keynotes? You're, mm. you're pretty good at that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. important enough for Apple that it's probably just that he literally wants to spend less time. Yeah, I don't that think that's something. Enough. That's why we talked about it already in episode 60 something because it felt like um you could slowly sort of see that he wasn't that involved in things on the stage anymore like Mm -hmm. he wasn't having as many presentations he didn't have as many public appearance in general i think we noticed that he wasn't appearing on the talk show Mm. anymore live at wwdc um and like that felt like an indication that maybe he is going away and joss is slowly taking over um, so I think it's something that they just planned and they were just waiting for the best time to do this sort of, I think, I think this is like, if you have an executive level person who will want, who wants to leave, you, you're not just going to say it and then leave the, like a month after you have a, you have a process in place. So. Unless something went south. Like I think the forceful thing, for example, that was not a long-term plan transition that was like something related to maps and a decision that then was made, uh, not mm-hmm. I, I I don't think that was a, a mutual agreement as much as this was. This was probably yeah. actually a multi-year transition where it makes sense, right? You you show other people in the same organization their faces more in public yeah. places and then they take over because they've been at Apple for a long time and seem to be capable of doing the job. Hmm. Um, this reminds me more of the Johnny Ive one where you, you kind of could tell that that was in the works for a while. The yeah. public mm-hmm. appearances started to fade away mm-hmm. before yes. the official announcement. And it's, it's interesting, interesting right? that in both cases they've each supposedly stuck around or is sticking around. But, but different, right? Johnny's was yeah. a bigger departure. This is a very yeah. clear, I want to stay with Apple, but I need to do other things in my life as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny's felt more like my passion is doing Rest, my own thing. This is kind of semi-retired. <laughs> I mean, I, it's probably still a busy job to head the App Store and, and events every oh, now sure. and then, right? But Insult it's, some it's, indies, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but it feels it feels different. It feels more like a soft reduction in time rather than a hard departure yeah yeah so it's it's interesting and i mean phil has been such a core part of apple for such a long time and yeah. sense too it's interesting right because as secretive as apple is those kind of things are just inherently you can't do secret because you don't want to come out and be like here's the new senior vice president of marketing you've mm-hmm. never heard about apple's very conscious about that they have a lot of fans and people that care about the people in the company yeah. just as much as they care about the yeah. the company and the products in the company. Mm. But so also, Phil is sort of one of the one of the people who have been there for such a long time as well. Mm. Like you, you sort of seen seen people coming, uh, many people from the old era, I guess, that have mm. have started to leave now, like Johnny Ive, like um, Scott Forstall, which was yeah, a, a, a bit longer ago, but. Um, yeah, I think many people are quite sad to see him leave, and I, I think it's sad that he's leaving because he felt like such a core part of yeah. Apple. Like he, when you think of Apple, he's definitely one of the people you think. Yeah, of. he feels like part of the original gang. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's been at Apple for like twenty-seven, twenty-eight years. He's almost been at Apple as long as I've been on this planet, so it's quite, quite a long time. Where were you before that? 
Um, a different planet, mm. uh, but I signed an NDA, so can't oh, okay. talk about that. Um, yeah, but you know, it's such a such a long period, and all since I followed Apple, I've saw Phil Schiller doing crazy things mm. on stage. Yeah, and it's kind of I don't know, I don't know. Being in charge of events probably doesn't mean he's presenting a lot. He's more behind the scenes planning, so it's it's kind of an interesting. Mm. And he's always so passionate on stage when he's talking, and I'm gonna miss the presentations as well. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's inevitable, right? Mm. Most yeah. people that are currently within leadership at Apple will leave during our lifetimes, unless yep. horrible things happen in our lifetime. But on an average, like Apple is a lot of older, older men now mm. <laughs> that are in their executive team. Um, and it's interesting to see those transitioning mm. happening. And I also think fundamentally, you c we can kind of see a shift in how Apple does presentations, right? Like uh, when Steve was still around, it was very much the Steve show. Like it was the mm. Steve keynote. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was obvious that Steve didn't build all the products by, by himself. But it, it, it always had a feeling that Steve was part of every yeah, single product meeting like for the lifetime and the development of every yeah. product. It was he he was not just right? a person there presenting something. Mm. He knew what was yeah, going on. He was on. super aware of yeah. everything going on at that company, which but, is cool. Uh, yeah. he, at least he gave that impression. I can't say that with yeah. certainty. But now it feels like Apple is definitely trying to diversify, which is good, good in... It's it's just different, right? They're diversifying the presenters and you see a lot more new faces and you see a lot more people that actually worked within the teams of that, uh, the product that's being announced. And there's kind of the shift. And I think strategically for Apple, it's probably a good idea considering that they will have a lot of transitions mm. upcoming over the next 10 years to, to kind of show this is not the, I don't know, Craig Federici uh show company you know it's good to show that there are other developers and other engineers and other other designers and like that there is an mm. entire company that's built around um the products they built, they're working on yeah um i mean you'd think tim's time is is gonna wrap up well, definitely in the next decade or so <laughs> he's what, what is he like 60 65 <laughs> something like that i mean you, you you can you can stay and there's no there's no time limit when you have to leave he's 59 just to <laughs> oh that's bad <laughs> uh, put the you on the that list <laughs> well no i mean he seems young weird why that app takes a long to review <laughs> <laughs> wonder what old man might have to review this one <laughs> how do i unlock my phone <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm gonna uh, cut all of that out uh, yeah i'm gonna get in trouble <laughs> yeah. oh well but I mean, it's 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 a thing, right? Apple's now an old company with a lot of people aging as they worked in those companies. So yeah, will be interesting to yeah, see. Just interesting in general, like how they will but diversify and like I wonder. I feel like, like you say, it's inevitable. Everyone's leaving sometime, <laughs> so mm. and like people, people probably like. I think it, it potentially makes sense. Like um, Phil Schiller might have had other goals that he also wanted to achieve. So mm. if he now has some time, he might feel like he has contributed. He has contributed a lot to Apple, mm. so it makes sense to then pursue other things if he has other interests and. It makes a lot of sense, but this might happen to many other people that work at Apple. They might want to try something else as well in their career. Um, so I, I wonder how, if Apple will, if you will see any other general restructuring in Apple so that you don't have this as much of like a one figure or like one person 
person being the face of a whole department. I wonder if they will maybe though, right? distribute that a bit differently so that you see it more as Apple and these are some of the people rather than Apple and this is Apple when you have like those five but people. But it's hard, right? If if organizations get to that point where they start to to spread out as a almost redundancy that people are not that companies are not as reliant on yeah. single people. Yeah. You see a lot of inefficiencies and and unhappiness within those teams because all of a sudden it's like it's not this team working on that thing but it's like those seven departments collaborating to get something together and you have all the overheads and yeah yeah and people have less responsibility because that's by design right if you're trying to reduce uh dependency on single uh, to like dependency on certain uh people hmm. by definition you have to spread their task out but instead of having them on one person you have them on two or three or four or well, you're duplicating tasks which <laughs> doesn't make sense either <laughs> yeah um but it's it's hard right how do you keep that balance of yeah. like if if craig would decide all right tomorrow i no longer want to show up at apple how do you deal with that at the same time as you don't want to have software engineering split between 12 different yeah. departments? And you still want everyone to feel like their contribution is very important, mm -hmm. right? You, you don't want to feel like you're redundant either. But also productive, where you don't have to talk to 12 managers yeah. To, yeah. To, to change the button layout for something, right? You, you want to be at something where it's like, no, we own this and we're kind of nimble, but also mm. if one person leaves... yeah. I think everyone should be important, so it would be problematic if they're leaving, right? You don't want it to be... Yeah, the right? pressure... You have to get an organization to a point where they're not falling apart, but it should hurt when someone leaves. Yeah, yeah. And you need something. Like, I mean, there was also a reason... They probably had a longer transition period with Phil Schiller handing things over to another person. Mm -hmm. And that just shows that what he did was important and every like a, a single person's contribution to the company is really important. I think... That is still really valuable for, for like to have. Mm. But at the same time, people need to sort of start to feel like a company is just, it's not, it's like, it's the same when Steve Jobs wasn't there anymore. I think people had to get used to the feeling that the company is still going to be okay, even mm -hmm. if Steve isn't there. And that was really challenging. And But it's just going to continue having that. But I mean, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Jobs was obviously a bigger, <laughs> a bigger component to Apple. Mm -hmm. Like it was def definitely, I think we talked about this a bit before the show. He was definitely like the person everyone knows and everyone looks up to him. And if he comes by, like people are sort of like starstruck. Um, and I don't think you need to, it's not the same anymore. It's not in that way, but people are still very important. And I don't, I don't know how to get people used to the feeling that things will change up, but Apple is still going to be okay. If, if you look at average, um, Uh, how long people stay in Silicon Valley companies on average? Mm. Like uh, almost 30 years for Phil Schiller is insane for, for Silicon Valley standards yeah. today, right? It might have been different, right? A lot of the people that we're talking about are the ones that started at Apple like, like decades ago. Mm. And that's very different, I think, from... You know, if you start a company in the, in the early days or you, you're, you're there for a long time and you build things... A lot of new hires at Apple are not as much part of the building of the company anymore. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, if anything, the the average time that people stay employed at one company will go down at those companies because you're no longer part of, you're no longer feeling you're far, part of the foundation. Yeah. You're an employee there, but you're not part of the foundation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we can probably count the foundation people at Apple at a, a hand or two. Mm -hmm. You know, Phil Schiller was definitely part of of the foundation, mm. but at some point, they're they're 
those people are all gone and they have to somehow deal with that. Yeah, and that's what and, I'm curious about. And I think um, Joss has been there for a really long time as mm-hmm. well. So it's not really going to have an impact now. And I think he is probably going to do a really good job um, doing doing the things that um, that Phil used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do wonder how it will happen. What, what will happen in like five years when you don't have that foundation anymore and you might just have people who have been there for a couple of years and who might not want to continue staying there forever? Like, how are you going to deal with that frequent change in in people yeah i mean it doesn't need to be frequent i think the higher you go up the longer people probably should stay right yes you you would have you expect a higher turnover if your turnover in your leadership is as high as your turnover in your engineering engineering team team, you should probably start questioning things yes i mean in, in general i do think there's is a really good sign if companies have longer uh tenures of the engineers at a company right mm. it's a really good sign when you see hey most people here are, for, are here for four years five years plus that's probably a good sign of a of a healthy organization where people are happy working on projects they care about with people that they care about each other mm. um and they were actually given enough time to to know each other mm. um but you would still be surprised if if the ceo would change every five years yeah you know yeah. what you consider a, a kind of long tenure in in engineering is still a short one for leadership yeah but still, it is it is still different. I think if you're if you're part from the early days, you're yeah. more likely to stay want to see see it through than if you're joining now and filling in shoes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Like obviously, people who do get into executive roles will definitely most likely stay longer than average engineering role. Um, but it is mean, something that every company has to deal with: is changing executives. Change. I mean, obviously, changing. Um, like general staff members like uh, at that engineer level at apple that's very common but every company that is large and successful has to deal with a changing um, Mm. executive team and Mm. a lot get through it yeah i think apple is just special because like i said they have such a strong foundation all along and people are sort of used to seeing the same faces and i think things and i don't think there are a lot of other companies that have that right i I can think of a lot of companies where where the leadership team is so much of a group of people that you you know you know i i can tell you a lot of other companies where i know more than four executive people by name right it is kind of unique and it's it's definitely that apple established that kind of approach to keynotes and presentations mm. of yeah you and know wh- how many companies would you want a ceo to speak on a stage multiple times a year yeah and and a lot of them you, you'd rather not see them speak yeah you know and i think apple kind of established that and now they're kind of dealing with the consequences i mean it, it served them really well but it's definitely mm. created a problem that no company has had before to the same yeah. extent. Because if the Coca-Cola CEO changes, you you might not know because nothing will change. Yeah. They don't have keynotes. They don't have presentations. You would never know. They might change. I know. What does a Coca-Cola CEO do? <laughs> change the sugar count? I mean, where you import <laughs> sugar. sugar from? I don't even know. What do you do? It's like sugar water. It hasn't changed in like 100 years. What yeah. do you do with it? But you wouldn't know is my point. Yeah. The same for even more interesting companies like or more where there is more change, but like still being traditional, like car companies, for most mm-hmm. of them, you will never know. If mm-hmm. the Ford CEO is changing tomorrow, you're like, okay, did they change the last one like a week ago? You mm. you wouldn't know and you shouldn't know. And it yeah. was designed for that way. Yeah. Apple is one of the only companies that designed themselves around the leadership team mm. because they had a very charismatic yeah. uh, CEO, yeah. right? It made sense to, to show Steve off talking about things because people... It, it worked. It was like free marketing to have Steve talk about anything. 
Um, yeah, and yeah. and they build Honestly, a group. Honestly, though, since Steve's left, I don't know if there's that public knowledge of Apple's executive team. Like, obviously, Steve Jobs was very well known, um, and you know, people like Mark Zuckerberg are still very well known in the mm. in the tech circles. But I'm not sure if Tim Cook has that level no, of no, that profile not. that other people do, and and obviously less so Phil Schiller mm. and and the others. Mm. But it drops um, more and more. Is my point mm. right? It's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you right. you, yeah. you used to have that original gang of people that yes. if you were in tech, you knew all of them. If you weren't in yeah. tech, you would at least need know steve jobs mm. yes now right. we're at a point where i don't even know if if my family would know a single apple executive by name no. anymore and i i think that that could in, like over time that might be to a point where we might not even know who's running software engineering anymore. <laughs> yeah. you know that yeah but i think they're they're reducing that um kind of reliance on single people mm-hmm. and i mean from the original group Group who's left Eddie, right? Eddie Q is the only one that's still part of the kind of original group mm. of. And when was the last time you saw Eddie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of uh, Golden State Warriors yeah, games yeah. in in the uh, court side, but otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think one thing that just makes them different that has been very differentiating from other companies, even though other companies might have had the same ex- like the same people in them for a long time as well. I think Apple really allowed all the executives and everyone presenting to show their personality on stage. Mm-hmm. And I think you sort of build up this sort of attachment to them because they were charming people. They were funny people. Like, uh, I think I think everyone like has a favorite in like for a long time. They, they really enjoyed uh, watching Craig Federico go up on stage making some dad jokes. And I think they just have had that personal touch to the presentation, which is quite strange considering how secretive they are as a company. Like they're still very expressive as um like as, as people when they are uh, on the stage, and I think it's that that made it very special, mm. and that's probably why so many people have more of an affiliation that they are the foundation. Um, but also for recruitment, right? Like a lot of people probably were semi recruited to join Apple because they watched Kino and like mm. that looks like a fun company to work at. Mm. You know, and I think I mean it was great to see WWDC this year mm. because many of the videos actually allowed people to be very personal and actually express themselves like like the one person eating a sandwich in the end of the uh, of the <laughs> like I would like to work with people that eat sandwich. <laughs> no, but, but what I mean is like they seem to have fun together. Like mm. they seem like a like most of the presentation like it came through that they they were able to have a joke and like they were they were like able to like have fun. Mm. as a, uh, as a team and i think that was also sort of building up on top of that of what we've seen on stage for such a long time mm. cool so we got some new iMacs this week Woohoo! Hi. iMac as the <laughs> resident iMac lover fan user the only iMac user amongst us <laughs> how do you feel it, interestingly, uh, only the 27-inch was updated, but it's a pretty solid update as far as I can tell. I mean, there, there are multiple parts of it, right? So, the tw- it kind of makes sense that the 27-inch was the one that got a major update because that's probably the one that is very far in the end of the ARM transition queue just because it's the hardest one to replace, right? There, there are a few things that are just hard to replace in that machine, first of all. It has some of the fa- fastest CPUs that Apple sells, Intel CPUs that Apple sells in the, like, if you go all the way up to the i9, has some of the beefiest GPUs you can buy in, in an Apple product, um, outside of the, uh, Mac Pro. Um, so it, it is definitely the hardest machine to fully replace with Apple's own silicon. Um, so it's probably fairly towards the end of the two year window that we were given. While the, uh, 21 
and a half inch iMac is probably a bit early and therefore didn't require as much of an update. I would assume that's just it, it sounds sensible to me. So it kind of makes sense, right? If if you need to put more effort in one or the other, you put more effort into the one that is staying within your lineup for longer longer time. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that was the 27-inch iMac. And it got a significant update. Apart from the industrial design, everything got a significant update, right? Mm-hmm. It's the f- We finally got rid of the uh, eight, um, hard disk drive, the, the spinning okay. disk. The last spinning disk Apple sells is as an optional change or as a built to order model in the 21 and a half inch iMac for some reason but otherwise the 27 inch line no longer has a spinning disc which is great and way overdue um we got uh the option for a what is it called nano coated the matte display on the iMac for mm-hmm. only Having 500 a nano texture yeah yeah, that yeah, nanotexture right. glass available. Yeah, and it's half price compared to the Pro Display XDR. <sighs> you only pay. So I don't want to. I don't want to go on a separate thread here. But how comes it would be cheaper to produce this on the iMac? It's t- only twenty-seven inch model instead of the what's the Pro Display XDR thirty-two uh, inch? Is it? Something like oh, okay. That. So there is a, a, a somewhat a size change. Yeah, seriously uh, though, I I do want an, another Apple external display that mimics the the iMac or or is somewhere between the iMac and the XDR that you can buy you know yeah, maybe definitely. in the, the 2000 <laughs> Australian dollar price range so like something that you could kind of justify for data because I don't look realistically we'd all love the XDR but none of us can justify 10 grand on a stupid monitor Minus uh, we don't need it plus the but, thousand for the stand don't forget yeah, that yeah yeah like but but something that's a bit more sort of maybe prosumer level mm-hmm. um you know not not something that you're going to find in every office but that if you if you are really keen on nice displays you can buy mm-hmm. um I, I've said before how much I like the LG from a panel perspective, but mm-hmm. the LG frame itself doesn't really bother me, but it isn't mm-hmm. a very Apple-esque screen. Um, mm-hmm. So it'd be nice to have something that's Apple and, um, you know, sort of halfway to the XDR without costing, um, mm-hmm. you know, months worth of salary, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think you should just get an iMac because mm-hmm. that's 2000 can, uh, Australian and you get an entire computer uh for free. Well, I actually had a look, and for the price I paid for my MacBook Pro, I could get the same specs on an iMac, um, so it obviously comes with a monitor and <laughs> would have a slightly better processor. Yep. And mm. you would never hear the fans. Uh, yeah, I very rarely hear the fans on this thing. Um, I, I have to be doing, like, a Carthage update or whatever <laughs> to hear them. Well, well, I don't know. I don't know. Carthage language. Mm. Um, yeah, but overall, like... Basically everything changed, right? Mm. New new CPUs. So we got tenth generation Intel uh, CPUs now. Uh, new uh, GPUs across the line. I think the the base model GPU is now matching the non Vega, like the one step under the Vega for, from last year. So it's the top of the line. So you're you're getting a huge improvement there, um, and uh, you still have user replaceable RAM, which is great, mm. and totally psa if you consider buying an imac 27 inch do not buy apple's ram <laughs> go to crucial or yeah so is it still upgradable yeah it is 27 mm-hmm. ah i'm surprised yeah mm-hmm. and it's, it's a right, insane a difference like if you if you go all the way to 128 oh, i know gigs, yeah <laughs> um i think apple charges like 3000 for it but if you go to like crucial you pay less than 600 <laughs> it's like it's, it's 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 serious money it's like almost a oh yeah it, it's yeah. like a stanford pro display kind of money <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that's how Apple gets their margins up. They're, you're not actually paying 
you know, yeah. market rates. But that's why I'm surprised that we still have that door in the back to, to yeah. do that yeah. replacement. Um, I can imagine it going away on the next um, industrial design. Yeah, I think if we go to Apple Silicon, I don't think our, uh, you will have replaceable um, memory anymore. Um, but it's, I think it's, it's, it's hard, right? The iMac... It's it's amazing. It has an old industrial design from who knows how many years ago. Yeah, but I know many people that, complain about the bezels, but design-wise, I still don't think this is a terrible-looking computer. No, it is it is it is fine, and it's also you know you, what do you care about? You're not. I I still see why you want slimmer bezels in a mobile computer a lot more than on a home computer. Right? Yeah, but uh, I mean, you go with Apple because you do like design. Yeah, yeah, but if you pick one one computer in the lineup where bezel is less important, it's definitely one that's always Station. on the same table forever in a place mm. that's usually not very space constrained. You know, if if you would use IMAX on airplanes, I would be like, all right, I see why you want as thin of a mm-hmm. uh, bezel around it, right? But the the one place where it matters like very very little is mm-hmm. a stationary computer that that what, that you look at in in the same spot on a desk that's usually mm-hmm. more than twenty seven inch in size right mm-hmm. so it's the least important computer for for shrinking the bezel size and there are certain benefits that you get with that right you like we have a camera in it another thing that Apple up, upgraded there is now a ten eighty p camera and a t two chip the speaker is also uh, sorry the microphone yeah there's the second yeah, microphone the, the to camera cancel upgrade is great to see and it was also called out in the press release that there's a need for better cameras these days and i thought Mm. that was a nice nod to the Mm. current situation and why it might be important it's not just we did this but Mm. we did this for a reason and it's actually Mm. uh, beneficial yeah so overall like like they even drilled a new hole in in the back of the iMac to get uh, wow (laughs) a second second microphone in there um so it's it's actually like a lot of nice overall nice improvements to that machine but we're so close to all this apple silicon stuff coming right i know this is actually a really tricky time too for for an iMac to be released and i think we sort of thought that there might be something new coming from apple but i mean now when we've seen it it's quite difficult like there's quite a quite a nice update here and i think it's a re- it's a, it's a very it's a good computer and i'm in a situation when i would like a new computer and this is mm. making it real hard for me because i mean well it's so hard for me because i don't know which <laughs> i'm to get okay obviously this is not a real problem for anyone but i just think the fact that this came out now and the uh, 21 inch was not updated really makes a strong case for the 21 inch becoming a 24 inch later this year and i think it's quite likely that we see the laptop updates and the uh, and an imac update later this year with mm-hmm. the um with the apple silicon chip and now i'm sort of in the situation i have to make a decision whether or not i should get a 27 inch now if i do want a new computer i am sort of due for one because i have a 16 inch thir- uh, sorry 2016 13 inch macbook pro which mm-hmm. is not enough for me at the moment so With two thunderbolt ports like yeah this. yeah well, definitely giving up on you at least once a day at the moment. yes yeah it doesn't it, it's it's not really a fan of me um but yeah this so, so i'm sort of thinking either i if i should get a new imac that's 27 inch i should really try to get it as soon as possible because mm-hmm. it's just going to be outdated more and more like sooner and sooner but on the other hand if there's an arm coming, an arm MacBook, an arm iMac coming out, that would be 
probably later this year, just because they didn't update the current iMac design. So that's why I'm sort of feeling like maybe I should hold on for that. But that means that it will be a 24-inch display rather than a 27-inch display. And if I actually would want a 27-inch display, I probably had to wait till at least WWDC next year. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's a bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. This this is a, this is actually making it hard for people who are looking to upgrade. And I think the fact that it's such a good improvement, like it's actually quite a good computer, makes it really hard for people to just hold on and wait. And and we just know, like I think the three of us expect a lot from Apple's own silicon in in Macs, right? There there's like a lot of things that we just expect, like lower like lower uh, power draw more performance those kind of things do not matter as much in an iMac as they do in in laptops but there's the lower the the heat and the extra co-processors they probably have in there might enable things that cannot work on a non in apple silicon mac and we don't know that yet Mm. right we don't know if there will be any features that we're like oh man we would really like to work on those or build software for that that are exclusively uh, to our Macs. We don't know that right now. Yeah. So it's hard to make a decision based on what we think those new Macs might be like mm-hmm. we, because we don't know anything. We don't know which Mac will actually be updated. We don't know what their characteristics are. We don't know if they have any new features. We don't know if, you know, it's it's It's, so it's sort of like Apple puts us in the unknown intentional. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 <sighs> It's such a great time to buy a 27-inch iMac, but it's such a bad time to buy a Mac. I know. <laughs> if we would not be aware of the ARM transition, this would be perfectly fine. Mm. Like, But it's good to be aware of it, but that just makes it a lot harder because mm. I feel like maybe I should just wait and maybe a 24-inch is fine. Probably it is, right? So I'm thinking of waiting. But at the same time, it's we don't... <sighs> Realistically, we're making Mac software. Mm-hmm. So we probably want to have something that's still running Intel, just to the same way that we want to be able to run both iOS 13 and 14 for our iOS software. And um, Apple makes that a lot harder on, on macOS, or inherently it's a bit harder mm-hmm. to run on different versions of macOS and different uh, CPU architectures mm-hmm. because it's it's not as trivial to 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 do that in in, in the setting, right? Mm-hmm. So there might also be some value of us in our household having an Intel Mac and an ARM Mac because we might want to be sure that everything runs on all the things, right? Mm. So there's also an option that we're... Because at the moment our setup is... I have a 27-inch iMac from 2018. Marlon has an old MacBook Pro. Or no, my iMac is actually a 20, this 2017 model. So there's also the option of potentially saying this is like my... Pro, both of those are personal devices. So there's also the option that might actually be sensible to say, all right, let's do kind of this rotation. So I buy a new 2020 iMac 27-inch because I wouldn't go step down to 24-inch. Just hmm. So realistically, if you would want to upgrade yours, you would have to wait till what we next year. What ne- we expect. Late next year, right? At least step down next year. So mine would I would buy a new 2020 iMac 27-inch. My iMac, that's my personal one, goes to Marlin as a bridging device until the 24-inch iMac comes out that runs on Apple Silicon. At which point, Marlin would buy that one, the 24-inch or whatever the replacement for the small iMac is, um, which will then obsolete my my 
2017 yeah. iMac that, that Marlon uses as a mm -hmm. bridging device, which we would then sell. And then we get the other one as a business computer. And that kind of makes sense. So we swap out the, the personal ones uh, as a bridging device and then sell them and keep the other one and buy them, the other one as, as business machines. So that's, I actually think that's not a uh, terrible... That could work, yeah. Yeah. Given that the 24-inch is coming out and that it is a nice computer that we either of us want to have. Mm. Yeah. So and if, not, be... if it's not coming out, if it's delayed or not coming out at all because Apple focuses on mobile computers for the first year, that's okay too. Don Mullen has a nice 27-inch iMac and I have a nice 27-inch iMac mm. and everyone's happy. That's the thing. If they decide not... <laughs> If they decide to not follow our plan, then <laughs> we will be in a situation where we both have relatively old computers and we're holding off for a really long time to upgrade. And I think Kai is not as impacted by that. But yeah, no. I I could I am having some problems with the setup I'm having at the moment. So I could really use an upgrade. Um and that's why I feel like we sort of should make a decision now. Um so we will we will have to think a bit about it. And I mean that's the thing, right? My my iMac is amazing still. Mm. You wouldn't you know it's Yeah, yeah, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, thirty two gigs of RAM is, mm. is fine. The, the CPU is more than fine, the GPU is fine. I mean, realistically, we're not pushing that many pixels. I mean, apart from the UI, but we're not like doing any graphics three D graphics work on those machines. Mm. And even if they would be fine, it's a Radeon Pro five seventy with four gigs of um video RAM. It's 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 a really good machine. So I wouldn't need it. An upgrade but if we can kind of do the cycle where Mullen gets this one I get another one that will definitely have a longer lifespan and Mullen's would explicitly be for short term as a bridging device I think that would be nice but I'm also trying to be aware of that I might try to find reasons to buy a new computer <laughs> <laughs> yeah we will let you know what we decide on mm. but either we're either holding off or going with this swappy plan mm. I am in the process of building subscriptions for the first time for Patty. Um, and I had some questions because you are both way more knowledgeable about subscriptions than I am. Okay. So that sounds like a, some kind of challenge. Mm. Let's bring it on. <laughs> um, look, my, so the thing with, with Patty's, I don't have the concept of users or accounts because I don't need it and I don't mm -hmm. want it. Um, so I guess the, the question is, uh, two questions. The first mm -hmm. is, um, so the approach I'm looking into is the server side receipt validation. Mm -hmm. Um, and as far as I can tell, it's not strictly necessary for my use case, um, because I'm not updating then like a user model somewhere on a database. Mm -hmm. Um, I could probably get away with, on device validation. And obviously that comes with the uh, caveat of somebody could spoof the receipt, but yeah. also I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not particularly concerned about um, somebody spoofing the receipt mm -hmm. to Petty. It's not the end of the world. If, if you are that bothered um, and your time is, you know, if, if you want to do that to say $4 a year power to you, uh, mm -hmm. don't really care. Um, but I was thinking about it, but then there are some other small advantages. Um, one, I get experience building server-side receipt validation, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, and two, I think you get a bit more information back in the uh, server notification than you do um, from just validating on device. Um, I don't know whether I need that additional information, but when I was watching some dub-dub sessions on it, that seems to be the case. Um, so that's sort of the first part of the question. And then uh, actually, let's talk about that first. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, do you have any thoughts here? <laughs> it, it sounds like you already made the, the, the consideration that, that that is the important one there, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I mean, Apple says that you shouldn't do it because you do not know whether the connection is trustworthy. And that just means you're, you rely on the user being, being honest because you're not controlling any of the anything right you're not controlling the app because that's in in the in the hands of the your user and and you don't know where where they're trying to send a request to so someone could put um even if you would just do a even if you wouldn't just validate the receipt locally but if you're saying hey i actually do the very i do the very verify receipt endpoint and send it to apple Mm -hmm. you don't know what they're sending it to they could oh no that seems like a complete waste of (laughs) yeah a waste of time they could send it to like uh always return true endpoint yeah no no and and you don't get go to that effort (laughs) yeah so it's like there is kind of the question do you think there is either um do you think there will be a lot of people exploiting that? And I think that that number goes down and down more and more. I mean, that might have been a concern a long time ago when jailbreaks were a lot more common and a lot more people had jailbroken devices for for a lot of other purposes that were not piracy, but made piracy really easy or or kind of working around those kind of limitations very easily. But I don't think that is too concerning anymore. Uh, the other one is do you ever want to do more with it? Like, do you actually want to get like cancellation reason? And do you want to have win back offers and those kind of things? Mm. But if, if all of those things are not appealing to you at all and you have no plans for it, I mean, there, there are a lot of apps that, I mean, it's, it's still fun to build. Yeah. We had fun building it yeah. and there's still value in doing like, that. And you can't, you're a lot more flexible with that, Yeah, but it's still, it's, it's hard to recommend the, the less recommended approach, right? So it's, it's always hard to say, no, just don't care and do it on, on, on device and, yeah. and move on. And I also feel a bit that you're already quite, you're in a nice scenario to do server-side receipt validation if you want to, because you do already have the server component now. And I think that can, that, that's, that, I think that's often why you might opt for just doing uh, on device, uh, like just doing it on the device, just because if you don't have a backend already and you don't have experience making a backend, you might end up going that way instead. But I think you sort of have your backend already. You can, like I say, you will get some more information and you will be able to do things like win back options. And I mean, this is sort of, uh, like, uh, uh, this is sort of an experimental app for you. So this might be a fun opportunity for you to like learn those things but and like try those things out. Realistically, but, you're probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like realistically, I, it's, it, it is the security but implication even that, that you if, should, if you're not be having user accounts, what are you locking? Right. So, so what we're doing in our case is if you don't have an actual subscription, we do not allow you to do any of the create calls. Mm-hmm. So there's an actual point where it's like, no matter what your device says, if you would point it at a different backend, then you're not creating anything anyways, right? So there is, like, we know whether you have a subscription subscription that's active, mm-hmm. and we are managing those kind of, like, inviting team members or, or creating a new project and new invoices and there's no way for you to get around that right you can't tell our backend anything that would make it would make it believe to have an active subscription if you do not have one in your situation if you're which would you want you probably wouldn't want to send the receipt with every single request and do a validation you don't really have oh, to. Oh, God, sp- no. No, mm. no. But so you don't really have your API to store would, it in the first. Your uh, API, no, exactly. Yeah. Your API would still return data, even if it's not, oh, yeah. if, even if it's an anonymous request. So you mm-hmm. wouldn't gain any of the like uh, extra validation benefits anyway, no. because 
you know, your app could still say every time there's a receipt one, send it to this thing that always returns true and only call your API for actual data because yeah, you don't yeah. have this concept of you. So you wouldn't gain anything. So if, no, exactly. if, if you're like intellectually curious and makes sense but Which I, I am yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you put it that way but yeah so just checking i'm not missing any any super obvious like oh this is a terrible idea um yeah yeah i know it's not recommended yeah. i know that I, yeah. yeah if 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 you're an awesome person then you do it uh, <laughs> on the server <laughs> if you're no, a terrible yeah. person who hates dogs and puppies yeah. then do that or <laughs> yeah. yeah so i i don't think for you it's it's a bit it feels a bit of waste of a t of time unless yeah, you yeah. want to do it out of out of interest and curiosity yeah. to build that feature but it's still it, it will take you a couple of weeks to get all of that right so it's not an insignificant yeah. amount of yeah. work but yeah. i think like i found it to be fun i think most people don't think this is fun like that's why people go with alternative ways of doing it but i think it could be something that you will enjoy and that you could use for future products as well um and are you ever considering adding user accounts like, is that something you think it could be useful? Uh, probably. I don't think there's a need. I can do data sync via iCloud. Um, look, maybe one day if I built an Android app and people wanted to, like, again, I don't know, like, down the line. Look, it's probably at a point where if I ever built user accounts, this would be an insignificant amount of work relative to the user accounts. Mm. Um, I don't, I want to avoid user accounts. I don't want user data. Mm. Um but it's also, yeah, realistically, okay. if you change your mind, it's not, you're not locked in f with one way forever. Hmm. You would just say the old builds used the old method and the new ones used the new method. And there's that, right? You wouldn't even, yeah. If, yeah. if the new ones have user accounts, um, you would have to make API changes anyway because the entire yes. app would be different and yeah. all the flows would be different and the content is different. So actually, I, that's a good point that maybe it doesn't make it into the initial subscription version mm. uh, or the initial version with subscriptions, I should say, but then it can be a nice to have later down the line. Yeah. And if you notice that there is more, way more exploita exploitation than you expected, <laughs> let's say yeah. you, you, you see in your server that there are like tens of thousands of, of requests from different apps coming in, but you only sold three subscriptions, mm. maybe then you can make a change. But realistically, mm. you could then turn that API off, right? You could say, look, yeah. there was way more exploitation of this than I expected. Like, mm. 99% of users exploit my my APIs without paying, which is very unlikely. Mm -hmm. But you could then just say, all right, let's turn off this one and only use the new routes. And yeah, yeah. Unlikely, but it's not like you don't have the option. So That's true. again, I don't like recommending the non-recommended approach, but mm -hmm. realistically, I don't think there's any, I cannot see any any real vector in your situation where it would do anything useful. All right, cool. <laughs> no, that, that's really good to know because look, honestly, I'm like, halfway there i think with the server side stuff but i'm mm -hmm. kind of just thinking if i'm prioritizing work maybe i drop the server changes um yeah. anyway that's that's good to know um mm -hmm. thanks so then the second part uh that i i wanted to ask is it's and again it's a bit different i think to your case but you're way more knowledgeable about this than me um how often should i be validating that receipt so let's say somebody makes a purchase um i obviously save some data locally um mm -hmm. be that user defaults or keychain honestly i'm not fussed about using de user defaults like if if you're jailbroken you're jailbroken um whatever <laughs> but I, you know i i said i said an expiry time in the future but obviously people change subscriptions and especially mm -hmm. if i'm going for a year um which I, I think i'll launch with just one option like 450 okay. mm -hmm. uh, a year um maybe later i add monthly but i'm not fussed for the first version um 
yeah, obviously, how how often should I be then, re- I guess, revalidating the receipt to check for expiries and things like that? I, I, and also, I think the other thing is that if it's a local, uh, I could probably do that more often than if I'm constantly sending it to the server. Yeah, there are, again, multiple things, right? So, for the server, if you had a server, you would probably also um, use Apple's uh, S2S, like server-to-server mm-hmm. notification. So, but what why be- if I don't have user accounts? No, no, that's the thing. My point is... In a, if you had, let's say, this 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 kind of uh, unlikely future, and you do have user mm. accounts, that sure. would probably be the Apple approved in in, oh, in recommended yeah. Yeah, way, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You get Definitely. a notification, you give Apple an endpoint yeah. that they can call. The yeah. user cancels their subscription. You get a notification about that. You then disable the access for that person mm. for for the date that they cancelled, and everyone's is happy. So everyone yeah. that pays yeah. gets yeah. access. Or the other way that- around. Let's say you have like different tiered subscriptions where you allow different like they get access to different things depending on which one they go for, for, then you will be able to know when you should enable new functionality depending on the plan that they're having. And like I say, you could also potentially have like, if you see that someone is canceling their subscription or someone might just have, their renewal might fail because their um, their card on file has been expired. You will get all that information and you will be able to tell the user in the app like, hey, it looks like your card didn't get charged. So if you want to continue using the feature, go ahead and um, update your card with Apple. Um, Which is surprisingly, like we um, we store the cancellation reason and um, or the the kind of um, the what is it called expiration uh, reason, right? The fail um, to renew reason. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a non insignificant amount of people that that didn't renew for billing errors, mm. which I was surprised about. That I I thought we'd never see that field, but there's yeah, like couple handful of people that actually expired their subscription as a result of a billing error and we do give a grace period that's another thing you can do mm. and apple supports that like apple has an option for you to say all right give a grace period mm. and if that's something you, failed, you don't need s2s for that that's something you can just do by default mm. um, you give them a grace period and if they can then recover and then do the subscription uh, continues and the benefit of that is with apple's uh, kind of pricing tier where you have 30 percent and 15 years from the second year right 15 percent from the second year um, if someone has a billing error and they're in a grace period and they then recover from that, you, you, that time still counts towards their year. Um, so you're not losing, like, potentially they had 11 mm. months of successful renewals, then they change their credit card and all of a sudden you're back at square one. Mm. So if you give a grace period, you can maintain that kind of that time that you build up. Um, but again, in your situation, you don't have any any yeah, any yeah. of that There's not that you much wouldn't even get anything out of that so yeah. if you do it locally see if if it's fast if your if your validation takes a few fractions of a millisecond do them as often as you think necessary you know building yeah a- that's the thing like you could almost do it every app launch if uh, it was mm. local yeah um yeah, you know, yeah. refresh the receipt oh. and check mm. it but if i don't want to be you know constantly pinging my server and then apple server with mm. um things so kind of what i was thinking if i went down the Root of uh, local, sorry, of, of server side validation is um, sort of have a a frequency with which I check. Maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, mm-hmm. um, but do that validation and then obviously store store the data. Um, but then also uh, have a way to kind of manually refresh. And maybe that's just as simple as if you go into the screen to look at or manage your subscriptions, I trigger a refresh there and we'll update it with current information. Cool. No, th- that's actually been helpful because um, maybe I just go with local validation yeah, for yeah. now and and can have it on the like the to do list to do the server side stuff. Um, 
Yeah, it's just, it's just from general, a, from I wouldn't a, build things that you don't like. Considering that your time is limited, yes, yeah, on this planet, uh, it sounded <laughs> weirder than wow, Kai, that's <laughs> deep. Um, I, I'd, I'd spend it. You know, no one cares if you have no one that exploits it, and you don't have any benefit, and you don't provide any extra value as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Why mm. go through that just because? It's, yes, you know, if, unless it's not like a learning experience. That yeah, you want but to go you, you'll learn a lot either way. You just something else, and if yeah, unless yeah. you're extremely passionate about learning that particular thing, you'll have plenty to learn. You're not running yeah, out of things exactly. to learn anytime soon. So yeah. might as well learn things that actually make it a better product. Yeah, yeah, cool. Actually, I quite yeah. like that. Yeah, man, I, I did not expect the result of this conversation to be uh, maybe I should do local validation. But um, since I'm not missing anything obvious about the pitfalls, and it's just that well, easier to spoof. Yeah, that, but that kind of segues because for us, it's it's a very different situation, right? Because we we're now launching uh, crew plants in in the next week or so, mm-hmm. um, which even means which adds one extra complexifier. Yeah, yeah, and I think means- this is why I'm so like into the service server subscriptions um, and like all the inf- all the events happening on the back on the back end. Because for us, it's just such a different scenario because um, we actually need to know. We're rolling out the team plans, and now we need to know who has a subscription and how many people are you allowed to add to but your worse, organization. We might have the primary user not be the person that signed up for the subscription in the first place, right? So the person that has that's using the product right now might be someone you invited, but their receipt is irrelevant to us, right? So whatever receipt they have in their binary. Uh, is is completely irrelevant mm-hmm. because all we care about is what subscription did someone buy for this uh, this kind of entire company. Yeah. So you, Zach, might be able to create a company um, and invite Molly and me to it, and you pay for a three three people plan, but then you don't open the app for a year. But we still have to then um, action like all the all the renewal events because we can't wait for you to open it again mm-hmm. to unlock the app for me and uh, Marlin, right? We yeah, to, that's a good point. Yeah. So you, do you do that server side then? Yeah. The server side notification are kind of um, letting us know if there's a cancellation or if mm. there's a plan change. Like, for example, it might be that you're on a three people plan and then you downgrade to a two person plan. And then maybe not all three people should have access after the downgrade happened, right? Mm. So we have to deactivate someone and that person will know, will will then no longer have access to that data and can no longer create things and those kind of things. Hmm. And all those kind of things come through as uh, um, notifications. And you also want to then, because only in the f- soon future will you get renewal events from Apple through S2S. So what you also would want to do is schedule a receipt validation or check, checking the receipt again with Apple hmm. um, j- shortly after the um, expected expiry date. So let's say Hmm. you expect this plan to expire on the uh, 1st of February. You, uh, at 1 p.m., you probably want to check at the 1st of February at uh, 1.02 and check, has there been a renewal since? Because Apple doesn't send you a renewal information. Yeah, so Um, if we we detect on the back end that there's been a cancellation, then we update it because we have those events automatically. Or if you change from a five-people plan to a four-people plan, we can update that. But things like whether or not it was successfully renewed is something that we... Or whether or not you still subscribed, something that we can't really see. We can't see when your next expiration date is, unless we validate that with Apple. So what we do is, if we see that your sort of your plan is coming up towards your the expiry date, then we 
validate the receipt with Apple mm-hmm. again to check whether or not you're still subscribed. But there's a lot more things where, where, where for us local validation wouldn't work, right? Because yeah. you wouldn't know or care or should ever know about the receipt that someone else paid for you to join their, their their company so there is a lot of weird setup where it's like one person buys something for other people that also use an app that doesn't have any purchase in them um yeah and a lot of like <laughs> upgrades and downgrades right we we yeah. need to make sure if if someone then upgrades a plan to a five-person plan we want to make sure that the backend knows about that and you can invite someone that that you couldn't before and uh, for downgrades we actually need to get that notification that there's a downgrade because maybe someone didn't downgrade through our app, but they yeah. actually downgraded by going to the app store into their a user account into subscription, maybe even on a different device. You might go on your iPhone and downgrade a plan uh, before we have an iPhone app, that is, mm-hmm. and you downgrade from a five-people plan to a t- two-people plan. What do we do now, right? There's no, we had no chance of showing a UI mm-hmm. because you didn't downgrade outside of our app. So what we have to do then is actually get a notification that there is a downgrade event, get the date of when the downgrade is expected to happen, send an email to the, to the admin of that uh, company to say, Hey, it looks like you downgraded and looks mm-hmm. like you are, but you to a two people plan from a five person plan, but you have three people in your organization right mm. now. So one of those will need to lose access to it. Who do you want it to be? Mm. And, and um, then by default, we have to basically, we don't know if the admin will access on that. So we have to set some people to be automatically removed, obviously. All because the if data they don't will still be anything, right? We can't just say, you know what? If you don't do anything, we just give you the, the better plan yeah. for free forever. Yeah. So at that point, we then have to say, all right, the one of those people, and we say which one will be kicked out unless you action it, unless you change it, either upgrade or tell someone else to go. Hmm. Um, because that's just you decide to downgrade to a plan smaller than the amount of people in in your or, or smaller than the current amount of members in your team. Hmm. And those kind of things are just pretty much impossible if you would only do local validation, right? Or anything yep. that's not happening on the server because there's a lot of logic, a lot of sending of emails and, and actioning those off, this, off Apple's normal um, purchase system. So there's a lot of weird components that we, we had to implement there for this flow to work mm. and still be nice, right? We could just say, you know what? If you downgrade, we just kick people out and too bad. Yeah, but, but we, we don't want to do that on the downgrade event, we you still have your plan, right? So mm. we want to show some. We want we want to allow you to be able to decide, and then sort of just just give a give a suggestion of because you're be still removed. on the five people plan until your expiry date, right? You yeah. downgrade it for for a f- date in the future whenever your renewal comes up. So there are a lot of things where it's like we ideally want to send you a warning. Hey, you did decide to downgrade in 10 days. That downgrade will happen, in which mm-hmm. case those people will lose access unless you action it in one way or another. Um, but then they might even upgrade again to the larger plan, and then you might want to keep people, or we might even want to send an- another reminder, let's say, uh, 24 hours before the downgrade happens and those kind of things. So there's a lot of things that happens behind the scenes on, on the server rather than on the client. So that was that was yeah, what so we were been, building for the last a, couple of weeks. Yeah, there's been a fair bit of work with this just to get it to work smoothly because we really don't want to be hostile and just kick people out mm-hmm. without even informing them. And um, we also want to make sure that even if um, Zach, you might not, um, let's say we uh, Kai and I are still in the company and you're not working for with us anymore, we don't want to just like we we want to 
uh, we still want to be able to like allow the admin, which might be Kai in this scenario, we want to allow the admin to still send invoices for the time that you worked. So you should still be able to do like see all that uh, employees or all that team members information. Um, but we still need to do some type of have some type of way that removes you. Hmm. Um, and then we also want to be able to allow you as a user to decide that. So Kai might know that he's downgrading, but he knows that I'm the one leaving the company. So he might need to be able to display like a UI so that he can keep you and remove me from the organization. Hmm. So there are just a lot of things that have to be, that are difficult to express in the UI, like without putting like, here's our, like all of our information of how our team plans f- function. Mm. Like we really want this to be obvious. And that's been a bit tricky to make sure that it still looks clean and looks understandable. Like mm. people should understand why someone is being removed. And I think the email helps with that. Um, but it's, it's been a lot of work to just get that to work smoothly. But Apple system, like in a purchase and subscription is kind of more designed towards you buy something for yourself. You know, but it's a bit more difficult when there's all of a sudden like you buy something for multiple people. um, And it's not like you can piggyback on family sharing because people (laughs) using your app aren't in a family. Yeah. 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 Maybe there might be, but you know. But it's also, we do think it's fair to charge more money if you have five people that you work with than one person, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't probably even want to opt into family sharing despite it being available now because our app is not really designed for a family tracking work on on their billable projects together right it's not really the the audience that we have in mind um if you use our app to track all your family's uh activities let us know that would be an interesting uh, email to read um (laughs) but it's it's definitely more designed hey zach is working on a project you now need three people to work with you but you're still invoicing a client yeah it's basically a way for two people to work together and not having to have like use their personal accounts to pay for those things. It's meant so that the admin can use uh, potentially like one account. But also to make it easy because then when you create an invoice, it's really easy. You can say send an invoice to client A and group all the like essentially say all the line items are grouped by user. So you can see like Marlon worked 40 hours, Kai worked 40 hours and Zach worked 80 hours, you know, and then yeah, Zach is ambitious. Um, And then you invoice for that rather than saying, hey, Marlon, how many hours did you work? Can you send that an email? And then Kai, how many you? And then you put an invoice together. We want to make that kind of like as part of the flow. Mm. Um, and for that, we thought it made a lot of sense to 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 charge more for, for multiple users because there is... Yeah, it's basically it, like you having the app independently, but you track your time together and you invoice yeah. together. But we also think there is a lot of use case where maybe you say hey you invite Marlin for a while um but then the project is over and then you downgrade again because you no longer need multiple people mm. and then maybe three months later Marlin's helping you out again so we wanted something where you can kind of upgrade and downgrade yeah based on and your we needs. still keep that person as like a previous member because you, you might still want to be able to add that person to your to your company we still make it very friendly for you to upgrade and downgrade and despite the implementation being kind of complex we wanted to be very obvious like as a user you you don't know anything of what's going on you just add a member you pay for the member then you're removed and when the project is over and and for you it all kind of just happens and then if you, three months later you invite Marlin again we offer you to upgrade you upgrade you invite Marlin and you can still see it, it looks like the same person you, if you go into a dashboard you can say hey show me all the time that Marlin worked over the year that might have been multiple sessions split between different months but you can still get an overview of how much Marlin worked on on different projects uh, 
throughout the year, despite it being not consecutive yep. um, kind of projects and those kind of things. Yeah, we don't want you to invite the same person and then be like, hey, who's Marlin? Like, mm -hmm. we, we wanted to actually be displayed as the same the same user. So yeah, uh, that's been a lot of fun. Mm. And I think we're finishing that up this weekend mm. and fun, submitting fun. it uh, <laughs> on Monday. So by the time this episode is out, we should have already submitted the update. Cool. I commit to this now. <laughs> well, uh, that makes one of us. <laughs> no, but I think I think I'm I'm very happy with it, and I think it's been exciting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, nice. It sounds like a well thought out feature as well. Yeah, a lot and of this, considerations, and that's why I feel like I'm quite happy that we did end up going with quite a complex receipt validation flow in the first place because it does pay off now. Like many of the things oh, yeah, that that's we were how setting we up. There. <laughs> yeah, many of the things that we were setting up already before we had team plans actually allow us to do team plans quite easily, and we yeah. had this in mind. Like ideally, we would have wanted to launch with this, but we decided to punt it to later. Um, but we still have a lot of parts already hooked up so we could do this quite easily mm. but yeah i don't think you will add a team plan to petty anytime soon so you might you know i'm not worried about that uh, for, <laughs> for a while we'll be fine mm. cool thanks for that no that was actually very helpful and um always good to hear about your work within our pet or with subscriptions as well mm. it's actually a lot of people really hate it i mean I the entire businesses build around not doing apple's in-app purchase stuff mm. but I, yeah I, yeah i look i honestly was very tempted to pull in revenue cap yeah yeah I don't so it might be great i don't i i no, actually I, I, from, by yeah. all accounts it is amazing mm. and it will do everything that i need i mean your case is very specific but it mm. would do everything that i needed um but, but I, I, think, I don't want to pull in that dependency yeah yeah and one thing is that I, I think I think it seems like a really good service and I haven't used it, so I can't really say much about it. But I think something like in-app purchases is like if you start going with a third-party provider for it, it will be a bit scarier to move away from that versus like moving away from Alamo Fire. Like if you move away from a third-party library that just helps you with your code, then you like that's okay. Like you will be able to like slowly work away on that. Well, something like in a purchase system, I think it's, it's like the core, it's, it's a very critical part for your business that that works correctly. So I can imagine it being a bit more scary to move away from a third party in a purchase system. I mean, so, every time we, we change our subscription code, we, we're like very aware that this is how we charge people and that we cannot get that wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, we don't, the worst case scenario, we take money from someone and they don't have access to their account, right? That would be really, really bad. We're, we're always trying to be rather on the side of, let's rather give someone access during the benefit of the doubt period, right? If, if your subscription expires at 1 p.m., but the last time we knew it was still auto-renewing, but for some reason it didn't buy 101, let's rather give the user the benefit and assume everything is good rather than than, than kicking everyone out mm. and no one being able to access anything, right? Mm. And that's already, we built, all, we built every single line of code for that and we're still very careful and kind of, for some reason I feel like whenever we touch that code segment, we're like, double focused because <laughs> it's so like if an animation is a bit janky every now and then that can happen and that's okay no one cares but i really don't want to kick someone out of their they're paying the app they're paying for right and i feel like that's the, the problem when you have such a core part of your business dependent on a third party despite them like doing all the right things right it sounds really good everyone seems happy that's using them as a as a service provider but moving away from that would be such such a scary endeavor because you, 
overnight or whenever you make that shift, 100% of people will go onto a different type of billing code path. And right now we're growing kind of gradually, right? Where if, if there is a bug somewhere, we would have probably already known that because mm -hmm. now everyone had like a purchase and a renewal and an upgrade and a downgrade and billing error. We've been through all those scenarios now and we know, all right, everything is good. But if you would change that now, let's say you have a thousand customers, 10,000 customers, and you're now changing to a different thing, you will know if 10,000 people fail overnight all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's very scary. And I see why that's a really... As a business model, it's great, right? As a lock-in for revenue cat, it's it's really, really hard to convince anyone to, to go away from the thing that literally collects money mm. and, and keeps the lights on. So it's... it's. But it's, why would you? I mean, it sounds like they provide a good service. It just is too risky. You've got something yeah, that yeah. works and but handles, I think, you know, you no, don't want to us, be in a position. We, we wouldn't switch there. It's just... Oh, no, if, no, no, I know. If, if you're there, and, and I mean, it's great, right? But... They could change their pricing model if they wanted to, you know, and you're probably sticky enough to say, all right, it's it's only $50 a month. It's still better than the potential of dropping to zero sales. Mm. I, I just, the way we work on everything we work on is extremely, we do not want to depend on any anyone, right? There's zero dependencies in our um, iris uh, code base. Mm. And like not even a third party I open mean, source library. Or iOS code base. You worked on that? Or? Um macOS code base. <laughs> Force of habit. Um and the the server component is is written only on like industry standard things. It's a Postgres database and we do use Vapor, which is obviously a dependency, but it's all open source. And it does what we need. And if we wouldn't need to move away from that, users will not notice. It, it's not, you know, it, it would suck, but we, we could do that. And it feels, I always like to be as much in charge of, of the product and the business I'm running as I can and having something so core. I, I already fear about being dependent on, on Apple, right? I'm already like, ooh, I see why if you go to a certain size you would want to build your own rendering engine <laughs> i mean it's it's nuts and <laughs> but I, I can at least see the sentiment why google says maybe we should build something like flutter where you're like building your own you're you're rendering all the pixel yourself and it's completely on and you control it i do see why you would feel like that's comforting to to be in charge of that yourself because like with swift ui we're like ooh. Wonder what Apple will do this year. I hope they're not breaking everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's. I, I'm. I think the way we're building things are just inherently very cautious and trying to build on top of our work as much as possible, rather than other people's work. Um, for for the core things, and that's why we decided to go that route. But I can see why people are like. I don't want to build subscription. I go with whatever service provider. Mm. Cool. Should we do picks oh. or should we? Things of the week? Up to you. All right, let's do things of the week. Sure, let's Malin, do Marlin, what's your thing of the week? All right, um, this time I'm picking a game called uh, Intellimath. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. heard of that. Yeah, so it's a friend of ours in Vancouver who made this game. It's it's a really good game. Um, I've been... Um, it's... it's uh, Okay, so it's sort of... What you do is you get a number that you need to either... How do I describe this? It's a it's a math game. So you can either do addition or multiplication. So you have a number that you want to reach and then you have different tiles and you can pick which numbers you want to use to add up or multiply to get the number that you need to get. So there's a there's like a tiles uh, there are like 
three by three tiles and you might need to get to number 21 and then you have two sevens in that three by three tile and then you can use those two sevens to add up to the number (laughs) my example got screwed up Um, let's say you have three sevens in the tile then you add all those three sevens to add up to 21 um and it's all on time. So I think you have 25 seconds to... No, it must be less. You have a certain amount to actually come up with. <laughs> Jesus, this is not going well. Let me check. Um, so you have... I don't know how long the time actually is. <clears throat> Do you know how long the time is, Kay? No, there's some kind of counter. Maybe it's like... Just under 10 seconds, you have to come up with the right number. So you have to come up with like a combination of numbers that adds up to the number that you wanna, that you need to, that you need to reach, basically. Um, and the longer you go on, the higher your score gets. And I found it to be really good for like practicing like quick calculations. So I, I found that lately I've been relying too much on like my phone and a calculator to like do like, quite simple math and I've been wanting to like get away from that and actually practice a bit more like actually doing those like easy calculations on top of my head um and this app is pretty good for that and I feel like I get better and better and I get quicker and quicker at like coming up with which number adds up to the number that I need to add up or which number I need to multiply with what in order to come up with the number I want to I want to get in the end and it's really fun and i enjoy it and it's also quite taught like it teaches you too so it's not just for fun it's like a really helpful game for if you want to learn and be better at calculating stuff are you do you have a better explanation for this guy you played it too i would just have i don't know why you got yourself into that much of a explanation i would have just said it's a it's an application that is gamifying learning like simple math calculations Jeez, that's so much better okay it's an application (laughs) it's a math game uh, that gamifies how to uh, make calculations easily it's a game where you need to have (laughs) a number and you get and you need to figure out how to get to that number um by adding up different numbers uh it's really fun you should check it out i leave this entire thing in there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right cool thanks for this brief summary Mullen. <laughs> you're welcome very much appreciated um my pick is or my thing of the week is games by app stories um which is a weird name for an app but uh it's a fairly simple app to keep track of video games you're interested in playing that you put on a wish list and then you're actively playing and um there there are a couple of them i think i already picked um game track uh, a while ago and it's it's kind of nice we used to have a period in the app store where where there wasn't really anything good um i think now they're they're different different interesting one game track by the way also got a major update so if you want to try that one out you can try that one out again but uh, games by app stories is just an alternative that feels very uh, standard ui component it's very very simple like very clear looking i don't think it has as many features but it's it's like uh, if 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 you didn't like the other one, give this one a shot. But also, they need some some uh, work with their their app naming. I think Games by App Stories. Yeah, I don't know is if I that's the most 
uh, I I don't know where the name comes from. Mm-hmm. What what the purpose of my app stories is? Maybe yeah. To- also, isn't app stories a podcast? I think it's app stories, a German app stories, which is a different right. thing. And I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't research this a lot. But the app itself is is very clean, very neat, um, and works. It looks well designed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 I also like the privacy policy. If you go to a privacy policy, it's just bold letters. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> we don't store your data, period. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's, there are a few alternatives. Um, and if, if you want to try it, I would recommend it. And it's also a simple business model. You pay for it and then you use it. Cool. Revolutionary idea for a yeah, business model. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Zach. What's your thing right. this week? Uh, my thing is an iOS app called Rainbow. So two weeks in a row with the games. Um, oh, wow. As a, Who are as you? A, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's something I came across. Rec- I mean, I've I've heard about it before, but I only downloaded it recently. It uses the front-facing camera on modern iPhones. I think it's the oh, 10 yeah. and above. I think it mm-hmm. relies on some AR kit things that are only mm-hmm. possible with those sensors and the Face ID ones. Um, and you kind of you use your. It's a fun game where you use your eyebrows to move your little character up and down on like a, a board that's the size mm-hmm. of your phone screen. So it's a bit of fun, um, bit silly, but it's kind of cool. You got to dodge flying emojis and stuff. Um, but I, I think the interaction is really novel and mm. quite cool. Yeah, so cool. I enjoyed playing it from the perspective of just a different style of interacting mm. with my phone. Um, I noticed the, the eyebrows- extra muscles in your forehead. Now this explains <laughs> why, where they come from. Oh, uh, well, I was actually just about to say your eyebrows do get tired playing it. So I think. <laughs> I lasted about two rounds um, before deciding to give up. But did you I, say two still, hours? Two rounds. Two, games, oh, two like rounds. Two rounds. Like, was, Jesus, it was probably less than ten times. <laughs> no, no, God, that would that would be very painful. Um, but no, it's just a bit of fun and kind of a cool interaction model. So yeah, it's uh, it's cool. Check it out if you're after something that's a little bit goofy and a little bit fun. Mm. Mm, let's check it out. Mm. Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah, log it as a face workout yeah. in, on your Apple Watch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we need that on the Apple Watch now. <laughs> cool. Awesome. All right. Cool. Then next week, we're talking about all this controversy about Apple App Store not allowing certain things. So much fun. How delightful. Yeah. 